Benjamin Northey, Chief Conductor of the CSO. Here we are back again, podcast number three. Great to be here with you again, Gretchen. And uh, I enjoyed the last one so much, I couldn't wait to come back for more. There's lots to talk about this time too, Gretchen. There certainly is. It's absolutely jam-packed. So I guess let's kick off with our news. Well, why don't you get started okay. with the news this time? Well, very exciting news, I think, mm. because of course we've now just launched the 2018 CSO season. That's right. And people are flocking. They are flocking <laughs> to subscribe and purchase tickets, and why wouldn't they? It's a pretty hot season, I it think, is. that you've lined up there. It's a wonderful season, and uh, it was it was uh, a great uh, you know challenge to put together, as all seasons are. It's one of the big responsibilities, of course, of artistic leadership of orchestras, um, and you are very much uh, judged on the outcomes of mm -hmm. your seasons, and um, but. Uh, We've, we've had such a, a great few years, we've got a real momentum that I think we're carrying into 2018 mm -hmm. and some fascinating programs uh, uh, to look forward to and uh, it's a, an interesting year for the orchestra, it's a, somewhat of a transitional year and I know we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, venues and, and buildings and uh, there's lots of that going on here in Christchurch. <laughs> um, the move back into the town hall is certainly on the agenda uh, for the, the later part of the year, but we're just still um, slightly uh, unsure about when that will, will be. Mm. So it's, it's a challenging year in that sense. But we're, but the final year that the CSO will be uh, based at our temporary rehearsal venues at Klondike, and uh, also the final year that we'll be doing uh, the bulk of our concerts at the Air Force Museum as well. So it's a you know a, a big year for the orchestra, not to mention the 60th anniversary. No, oh, and which that's is, good news. It's wonderful news, and what a great achievement and a great opportunity for us to reflect back on the contribution that everyone's made to the CSO. Mm, absolutely, yeah. I think you know the CSO's had this fantastic history. You know, it's not been plain sailing for this orchestra. Yeah. I think let's let's own that one. Mm -hmm. It's had plenty of ups and downs, a lot of challenges. There's been a lot of times, even that I remember, since I've been associated in the last twenty years with the orchestra. You know, when it's been a very close thing, whether or not we'd opening be opening the doors the next day. And there's been a lot of wonderful people that have gone into bat for this orchestra and yeah. fought for it. Mm. And um, I, I don't know, I feel so proud that we're here at 60 years next year. And I really hope that we're honouring all of that hard graft that those people have put in over the years to get us to this point. That's right. We're really standing on their shoulders, aren't we? Because they, they have worked so hard for the orchestra and never taken no for an answer. And they've been really in, you know, heavily involved in forging that identity of resilience of, of the organisation and the artistic excellence that the CSO is now renowned for. I think uh, our job, and it's a very exciting time to be involved with the orchestra because we're now in a, in a very unique situation to lay some very solid foundations for the next 60 years as well and to really carry the torch of all of the hard work that's been done over these six decades leading up to now. And with the new venues and new rehearsal spaces, all this kind of thing, uh, we can look forward to the next um, 60 as well. Not mm. that we'll be here for all that time, Gretchen. But, um, oh, I'm planning on being here for another 60. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting how, how youthful you are, Gretchen. 
he's lying. That's kind. That's very kind. But that's a yeah. No, I won't be going for the centenary. <laughs> but actually, I think also that's that's a, um, a really interesting one for us to talk about. Actually, um, is actually the future plans for the orchestra because there's some pretty cracking vision stuff going on there, isn't there? So that's mm. right. And uh, CSO uh, are really renowned for being able to. Um, try new things, forge new pathways, new processes around uh, running an orchestra and be a bit of a, um, a beacon for a lot of other orchestras. We're so nimble and um, able to try new things, which is great and adventurous, <laughs> spirit of adventure. <laughs> oh, I love it, I love it. Well, perhaps does that in fact then lead us into the topic of the day? Um, you know, we, we've talked about our news of launching our season, so maybe actually we should talk about putting that season together. Um, and I'm just going to go straight in, actually, before we get into the guts of how that all comes together. But I was interested, um, you, you made a couple of comments just before about, yes, the, the pressure, the expectation. Now tell me, do you find, do you have some sleepless nights before you have to stand up on that podium to announce the season? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think this is everyone who has worked in an orchestra. Uh, you know, you're hoping that everybody will, will get on board with, with the uh, vision that you've chosen and, and also realising that our audience is, whilst CSO has a wonderfully loyal audience, it's a diverse group with, with varying musical tastes, uh, the responsibility to take people on a journey, to also give them the, the kinds of orchestral experiences that they um, perhaps are expecting and really craving um, with familiar works as well. So um, it's a you know, it's a big challenge, and yes, the, the launch is always a white-knuckle uh, kind of <laughs> affair for us um, presenters and planners, as you well know, Gretchen. <laughs> and, um, but it's, it's really wonderful to, uh, to this year have been really thinking about our audience, our loyal subscribers and all of the supporters because of the 60th anniversary, I think, and really just wanting to, to give them something very, very mm -hmm. special. And, and then looking further ahead, because of course orchestras plan so far into the future, and you and I are already talking about the 2019 season now. Mm. Uh, we will be in a new venue. Uh, how are we going to plan a season around that venue and all of the different considerations of going back to somewhere, returning somewhere, um, and starting a new chapter? Mm. So it's it's uh, all of those things are very challenging, but they require us to have our conversations and come up with a kind of um, approach to every year. And I think that's the key thing. The 60th anniversary gave us a real approach to 18, I think, uh, and, and 19 is different again. Mm. And so before we just pick our favourite pieces, we're all <laughs> thinking about, uh, well, what's going to really be the backbone and the thread that ties the season together what's mm. our, our sort of you know um, common approach mm. I think actually that's that's um, a really interesting thing maybe just for us to um, uh, dig into a little bit further yeah and I think 2019 for us will be interesting as you say the the um, it's a relocation into the town hall and a, a very loved uh, concert hall for many people and for others in Christchurch haven't actually experienced it before. And so we were talking the other day actually about that and those challenges that that might present us and the opportunities. Uh, so um, I guess, yeah, when we're starting to you know, put a season together and when you're starting to think about that, um, yeah, how much is it based on 
this is some music that I think would be great to do versus actually thinking more about this is what we're wanting to achieve from this year. What drives you in that? What's the starting point for you? Well, I mean, I've, I've, I think every artist has the music that they love and feel a real affinity with. And I think that can be applied to many different kinds of scenarios. I mean, my repertoire is very broad reaching. Uh, but I think first and foremost, because I think it's, it's, it's too easy to get lulled into, for, from a conductor's point of view, I want to do this work. I've always wanted to do such and such, you know, and, and um, I think that can lead to a very disconnected kind of season. And the best seasons are the ones where, you know, there's a, a real sense of, of uh, connection and journey through the programs and through the year. And I think we've, we've worked hard to do that over the previous seasons. I remember particularly that first season where it was all about a sense of place. Um, and that, all of our works kind of had that, that same um, message or could be interpreted to have that same message. And so when we're looking at a season like 2019, the bigger questions are not about repertoire initially. They're about what is, what is the, um, the occasion. The occasion is the orchestra's moving back into the town hall, which is their long-standing traditional venue. Are we going back to when the orchestra was there before? No, we're not. The orchestra's changed, the organisation has changed, the city's completely changed. So we're going actually back as a new organisation into a venue that we're hoping will be renewed and, and um, thought about in a very different way perhaps than it was uh, before. So that's a great challenge for us mm. to come up with a season that reflects that and really invites people to come back and, and uh, engage with that space, mm. engage with the orchestra in that space mm. and, uh, and to sort of... Um, think about how people, um, what, what people think about when they, when they uh, think about a town hall or, or a concert hall, because that's very different than going to all of these interesting um, sort of progressive venues that we've been working in. It's a very different uh, thought process, especially for new audiences. They might be slightly intimidated even by a big concert hall experience. And so we need to work hard to make sure we're picking music that's going to be very uh, welcoming and, and um, and uh, you know, filled with uh, a sense of sort of effervescence and and um, sparkling positivity. I suppose that's that's kind of what I'm thinking of at the moment. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it's a sort of really getting that big, broad. Um, I suppose the foundation, really, and the overarching principles, isn't it? That's going to drive that season, mm. rather than sort of getting too micro into sort of you know theming it or or things like that. Yeah. yeah. That's right. There are a number of considerations. I mean, that I think is the biggest. Yeah. Is what what's the big picture of this season? Then uh, you've got you could throw you know bucket loads of music at it, um, and then you've got the orchestra. What would they like to do? How can that that be applied to our big picture? What works do you think um, they would enjoy to play and have been asking to play? what's going to be good for the orchestra to play from an artistic mm. development point of view, and that's a very important consideration that as well. Yeah. Something that you can build over multiple seasons yeah. as well, which is a great opportunity. Which soloists are we really interested to have back here? Mm. Um, you know, there are so many uh, to choose from. There, you know, mm. it's endless amount of soloists. 
Um, Actually, that's really interesting too. I'll just sort of say that I've really noticed um, quite a change over the last five to six years now. The huge increase in, in approaches we're getting from, from agents for, for mm -hmm. you know, really outstanding soloists. And, um, you know, I'd like to think too that that's been driven by growing awareness of the, of the orchestra and the quality. Yeah. And in the way, I guess, you look after your soloists as well. I think if word gets around that you're a good bunch to work with, um, in turn, you know, hope that actually that does make a difference. Um, but I'd just like to um, pick up on something you were, you were mentioning there on the artistic development of the orchestra through the choice of repertoire as well. And I think that's actually really quite fascinating. And so I'm interested to know, um, yeah, how much that does play a part for you. And oh, let's just go right to the heart of it. Um, what do you see that there are particular strengths um, that the CSO has, particular repertoire you you feel that this orchestra plays well, and how that does influence some of the choices? So I guess looking at this, uh, or even looking into um, the 2018 season, um, how that might have reflected in some of those choices. Well, particularly for 2018, um, this orchestra I think plays uh, large scale. 20th century repertoire really well. That's something that I've particularly enjoyed, and particularly the the Russian focused repertoire. I mean, the the Tchaikovsky symphonies, the Shostakovich symphonies, which we're doing the fifth um, of next year, Mussorgsky's pictures and exhibition. I mean, these are, are, are canonic works of the orchestra. But I've always felt like this orchestra is able to to really bring something special to those big works. They've got a wonderful sense of ensemble, wonderful sense of intensity, and um, rhythmic accuracy, which I, I really enjoy about working with this orchestra. And of course, the tradition of having the Ukrainian uh, musicians in the orchestra as well brings something extra to those works, those um, Soviet era mm. works, particularly the works of Shostakovich. And, but every season is probably uh, going to be built on what I consider to be the orchestral basics. That's really how you build a culture of playing in an orchestra is by, is by having your Baroque concerts, having your classical repertoire well represented, Mozart, Beethoven, um, and, and really taking care of the basics of ensemble playing and almost every orchestra should do more of that kind of repertoire because it always pays dividends mm. for the bigger pieces when you do them later as well. Um, the other thing that's really interesting for me is the changing nature of, of uh, programming what I would consider to be popular mm. or more popular uh, music of the late 20th century, particularly from films. And so what our program that has Shostakovich uh, Fifth Symphony in it, we're, we're starting with a suite um, from Psycho, the movie, by Bernard Herrmann, which is a really well-established part of string yep. repertoire now. Yep. And everybody knows the shower scene yep. music with the, the shrieks of um, the knife and all that kind of thing. Uh, looking at ways to integrate that, I mean, that's a, in my mind, a perfect pairing. Shostakovich Fifth Symphony has that sense of slight horror as well, and to find a piece that resonates so closely with it, uh, it shows you a way to have a piece of music that people know and would recognise from a popular genre like film, but incorporate it into a very, you know, serious um, musical uh, collection, musical program. So that's something I'm really interested to explore more, actually, that, in the future. Yeah, that, I mean, I know that um, uh, Herman um, had a philosophy of um, 
believing that the music he wrote for film, and he obviously wrote for a lot, especially for Hitchcock um, movies, the music for, for a lot of those uh, films in, in that era, uh, his philosophy was that the music he was writing should be able to stand alone mm. in a concert setting anyway, and he was coming from that point of view that it, it, it shouldn't be um, you know, secondary to other music that's, that's written. Um, he's perhaps a little different in, in that, you know, some of the, the modern um, uh, Hollywood film writers now might take a slightly different approach and see it in a supporting role perhaps more. Does that mean, there, though, that there's a distinction between, say, bringing something that might be more of a, in, in sort of the popular um, environment of would you would you see yourself bringing in say you know um, something uh, from a blockbuster movie sitting alongside a sort of a classic work like the Shostakovich Five, or do you think it's more about the specific repertoire rather than what it's representing or coming from? Look, I think uh, you would have to be very careful in what you chose. Uh, for example, there are many pieces of music that people love from films. So things like, I don't know, the theme from Cinema Paradiso, mm -hmm. the theme that John Williams wrote uh, for um, Schindler's List, mm -hmm. which was a violin solo, which you, you normally would hear in a concert of John Williams music. Mm -hmm. You would normally hear it in a, in a, a, you know, a film music concert that's standalone. And we've, we've worked so hard to separate those things out for mm -hmm. so long. Um, I don't think that our audience discriminate between those two things so much anymore. Yeah. So in terms of a blockbuster, I mean, it's not like you're just going to go and play the theme from Raiders of the Lost Ark and then and then go into, um, you know, Elgar pomp and circumstance. Even though there might be some resonances there, they, I don't think that's really the point. It's it's about finding works that are, that are going to raise an appreciation of something else. Yeah. You know, whether it's a film piece raising appreciation of an orchestral, straight orchestral work or vice versa, mm -hmm. but that somehow inform each other. Mm -hmm. And so Bernard Herrmann, he mined the, uh, the work of those great 20th century composers and you can hear that. You can hear Shostakovich yeah. in the Psycho yes. Suite. So I think that's the, the, the key to it, yeah. is really finding a strong artistic reason yeah. for programming that, yeah. that particular piece of music, doing it very cleverly and carefully. Yeah. And, um, and not um, just being tokenistic yes. about it and saying, oh, well, the audience will love this particular film suite. That means we can then just play something, you know. Or um, it will bring in the young people. Yeah, all that kind of thing. It's just yeah. not really yeah. the point, I don't Yeah, think. that sonically it's got to work from a concert, from a listening point of view, moving from this piece to this piece has to work, there has to be some sort of sense of of connection or just from a sound point of view, it, it, it flows, there's some... It's, just, it's a changing aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of contemporary music at CSO, mm. which is great. We're really renowned for that and we, we continue to do that. Film music is also contemporary mm. music. I mean, even some of it's old now. I mean, the, the Herman is 50 years old, mm. um, but it's... They're changing aesthetic. I mean, mm. things are evolving all the time, mm. and uh, those links are important. It's interesting, actually, because sometimes I wonder, uh, you know, um, within the orchestral world and within the planning part of it, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about our series and, and that type of thing. Sometimes I wonder if actually that is more of an inward thing 
and actually we become our own worst enemies because we are ring fencing certain things if there is a danger of that and equally we therefore are um, ring fencing or or um, I don't know, assigning what we think are certain audiences to certain concerts rather than, as you say, the, the sort of the categories, the edges are, ble are blurring, increasingly blurring. Um, That's our challenge, yeah. is to find those ways to bring those, those things together mm. and uh, not to underestimate the audience. <laughs> Never underestimate the audience. They're so, they're so capable of... of, um, of understanding contemporary music of appreciating links between things if they're if they're presented in a really interesting way uh, and also just you know accepting that you might have a concert that's a completely different format mm. it's not going to be overture symphony concerto yeah. it, you know we can mess about with things and try different formats and and have a concert of shorter works have a concert with no interval um, I mean, there, there are so many interesting things you can do uh, when an audience are willing to, to turn up and come on that journey with mm. you. So we're lucky we've got one of those uh, audiences here in Christchurch. It's fantastic. Mm. Actually, the audience, I must say, I think they're um, really inquisitive and very open, you know. And um, if we play like rubbish and we don't give, you know, a, a good performance and it's, it's good quality music, they'll let us know. Yeah. But at the same time, I think they're remarkably perceptive when it's a good performance and it's an interesting program and I, I agree I think we're actually incredibly fortunate um, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see as we move back into the town hall the impact of that now common thought is that you move into a new building or in this case it'd be a refurbished building and you know suddenly there's a significant increase in interest and people will flock to you what, what's, have you had any experience of that? Um, orchestras moving, um, or what your gut tells you about about this? Um, do we think there'll be some people that will come along because they're interested in seeing the building, and then how do we hold them? Well, the uh, nearest example I can give is when Melbourne Symphony moved out of Hamer Hall, which was their traditional home, and that was closed for renovations for two years. The orchestra moved into a, um, the town hall in the middle of the city. When Hamer Hall opened, there was you know lots of um, fanfare and, and big opening concerts and all this kind of thing. And a lot of people came to see the new Hamer Hall, which had been refurbished and the acoustic theoretically improved. <laughs> um, and that was a big opportunity for the orchestra to explore that, that idea of, well, who are we now? Yeah. And, are we just the same as we were two years ago or, or do we move on? Uh, and so audiences came, made up their own minds. Um, some of them may have, you know, uh, returned. Some didn't. Uh, you know, that's the challenge of, mm. of a new space. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that because, I mean, uh, in terms of buildings in Christchurch and venues in Christchurch, I mean, this is really what the city is grappling with at the moment, isn't it? The the idea of space, functionality, um, what are these buildings going to be used for? There's, you know, there's so many buildings um, going up and spaces being made. Um, I think we've learned a lot while we've been nomadic and using a lot of different and temporary spaces as performance venues around the city. And my hope is that we can retain the best of the things that we've learned from those and bring that with us into the town hall. Mm. Um, it is a, a great opportunity when uh, we get into that, that space 
to really make it um, make it our own and, and do something interesting uh, with the space and think about our presentation of concerts and and uh, be a little adventurous with that too. Absolutely, so, and yeah. I think that's actually the kicker. Because in the end, buildings are buildings, and if we've mm. learned nothing, it's actually about what we do right. in the spaces, yeah, you know. And so for us, I think that's exactly, you know, it's how we program in there, and how we utilise the space, not just the auditorium, but actually the wider complex. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to really building the relationship with the venue operator around that, because I think we've got to think about that complex the town hall in its broader sense in quite a different way. Um, I think it's going to be really important, all these people that have either grown up without going into it yet, so the experience is ahead of them, or the people that have moved to Christchurch and aren't familiar with the building, we've got to get them excited about it, as well as everybody that's got really fond memories of the place, mm. um, so that it truly becomes a place that we all feel um, is part of us and that we all have a sense of connection with it is, mm. is my big hope for the place and I think the CSO's got a really big part to play in pulling that off. Here, here, no pressure. Now I've really got to get to work on 2019. Goodness me, such amazing responsibility. But uh, it is a great challenge and it's always fun. It's a fun part of the job. Uh, putting seasons together. Oh, it is. So, yeah, the more outrageous, the better too. I mean, it's interesting. We'll start with evolve. start with outrageous, and then see how it survives contact with reality after that. Sometimes <laughs> you have to pare things back a little bit, but uh, I mean, I, I'm terrifically excited about that that season and 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 next year as well. So, yes. Big few years coming up. Excellent. Well, on that note, we should probably wind up and just finish with, is there anything on your mind you want to share, Ben? Is there anything on my mind? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, what, could I, what could I say? Look, I learned today, and this is non-related to music, that the Queen drinks four cocktails a day, which <laughs> I, I greatly admire. I consider myself a staunch Elizabethan, and more so after hearing that news. Thank you once again for joining us today. It's been a blast and um, we look forward to the next one.